Well, welcome to the Redemptification Podcast. And man, I always say this, but I'm really dang excited about today. I'm excited about you getting to meet a man that broke mine and our team's guessing machine and rebuilt it right in front of us. Very few times do we meet people that we think their level of intentionality and care is just off the chart. But my guest today, Andrew Siegels, is that way. He has got to be one of the most intentional people I've ever met about how he handles his life and his business. And I know you're just going to love. So today's episode, we've got the founder of Boxer Properties, it has accounted for about 20 million square foot of re real estate across the U.S., resorts, office space, retail centers, and even a fabulous mall that celebrates the Latino culture. And there's just, he's just, he's he's a an amazing guy that's going to share with us some great things along the way. Andrew, thank you for taking a few minutes. John, you, you, you make me smile just by being with you because I know I'm going to learn something and I'm going to enjoy learning. Thank you for having me. Well, you're you're an amazing guy and you've done so many things. We're going to hit a lot today, but we'll start with running companies of the size and complexity and, and geography that you've done. When, when you began to show us this, I felt like I was um, drinking out of a fire hose. I was like, oh my goodness, at the learning over a lifetime he's done and and the intentionality you have from every little piece of that. So let's talk a minute about that. How did how did you progress into this guy that created software to do this and run a company this size in so many different locations? Well I think my my brother Justin and I were always obsessed with organization. It's like we saw ourselves as process people and then what we did was was secondary, maybe even tertiary. Um, wow! And and I just I love seeing how an organization is organized. I actually own the URL organization organization. Um, not sure what to do with it yet. I'm not that organized, but <laughs> I think that there's really something there, and that led us on such a fascinating journey. Well, it's interesting. Um, not many people get to work with their brother, too, right? Well, a lot of people get to work with their brother. Not very many people do it happily. <laughs> That's true. So, or by choice. What have you learned by working with your brother? Like, what is some of the some of the great takeaways that's made it so good to have you and your brother working together? Well, what's what's interesting is that. I think my brother and I on, you know, there were a lot of things that were aligned on and that we really enjoyed doing together, but we literally share a brain. Now, when, when you think about that, you know, the concept of sharing a brain means that I know that if he's got something, then I don't have to remember it. You know, it's kind of like if you're, if you're going out to dinner with your wife, you don't have to remember where you want to go. She already knows it's in her brain. I think yeah. that's perfect. I mean, I realize that it's like a relay race in a way. You, there's not so much lost motion because if he's got it, you don't have to worry about it, right? That's right. Think about the way that you even run your house is that there's certain things that are in your partner's brain and there's certain things that are in your brain. You're literally sharing a brain. Well, we we do it on a commercial sense and the, the, the dividends have been amazing. 
That is incredible. Um, so tell us a little bit about your passion then for how do you organize entities like this? How did, I mean, there's so much that Boxer kind of, I think, taught you along the way in your development and, and problems you've solved. How do you think about organizations and how they're uh, arranged? Well, I, I think ironically, technology caused us to devolve in the way that we were organized. It's almost like the the iPhone is so entertaining. It kind of it ruined our ability to talk to each other. We're just on it, we're on it all the time. So when I entered, um, when I entered business, it was back in '92, and it seems seems recent, but it was a long time ago. We had file rooms, and those file rooms were guarded over by file clerks, and the the intelligence and the the records of companies were kept in a way that was accessible. It wasn't very elegant. You couldn't be sitting in Cleveland and reading a file in Atlanta, but all the company's intelligence was there. It was like a library with a librarian. And then we started filing things electronically. You know, electronic filing is this dark room. and You just are putting things in there. They're very hard to find, um, you know, and, and, and we lost access to our, our record keeping. It used to be that you could go back and you could refer to a construction job you did and you could see the file on it and all the invoices and all the bids and the correspondence and the returns of the correspondence. And now that's gone. So my, my brother and I were very concerned about that. We were like, how do we build a legacy multi-generational company that doesn't rely on the oral tradition of just a bunch of people kind of knowing what to do and hopefully doing most of it. Um, sometimes when they miss something, nothing happens. Sometimes when they miss something, a blow-up preventer fails and British Petroleum almost goes out of business after I did use. So the first thing we did is we we hired a librarian for our, our electronic filing. And it was it was really weird to advertise for a librarian in, in, the, in the private sector, but we didn't really know what else to call that person. And then we, we ended up building a software product that kind of embodied organization. It had um, data management. It had single places of truth. And we felt that there would be this huge payback because we would be able to get away from just remembering, asking, responding, you know, which was a big part of our day and actually go to the part of work that, that was valuable. And then the other the other thing um, about really collecting data, like lots of data, data that you don't even know why it's important, is we, when we started 15 years ago, we couldn't have imagined AI, but now all of that is paying off. Is is our our decades of data are are going to be useful? They're like a goldmine of process and innovation. Um, so it's 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 really exciting, you know, to have started so early on. Uh, we're, we're we're really getting the dividend. It's kind of like investing early, isn't it? Your compounded interest on your content is starting to really. I mean, you showed me some of this as you look at about a project in another city and what was the estimates and who handled these things. It's um, this idea of a digital brain gives you access to all of your properties and all of your companies and all the activities in a single uh, way to interface with it. 
And, and what's, what's interesting is that when you have a kind of a global organization that's accessible and that is um, able, it, it allows people to do things in different places and different times, then you could do kind of the next step, which we did was harness a global workforce. Hmm. That makes sense. Well, once you understand, I guess the digital world gave you clarity about the activities. I mean, you can't. We say you can't manage what you don't measure, and it's hard to multiply what you don't manage. So, you through having the content there of what's happening in your organization, starting to see what the activities, and I, I guess it probably gave you a look into the roles and behaviors that were really happening, not just what you put on the resume when you began. Yeah, you need to even start you know, in a much more profound way is you need a list of things you don't measure, you know. Wow, that's a great idea, a list of things you don't measure. <laughs> it's hard to imagine what would be on your list as you seem to measure everything. Yes, well, you, you need a process for, for doing it. And, and the, you know, I think we need to think about the way that the iPhone changed our lives is that it became so integral into what we're doing is I tell people I would, I, if I left my house without my iPhone, I would go back for sure. If I left my house without my pants, I would make it work. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I, I mean, I, how did you, sur I wonder now, how did we survive without these supercomputers in our pockets? Well, the, the, the way that we survived is nobody had supercomputers in their pocket. And at first, doing this kind of stuff, thinking this kind of way is an advantage very soon it becomes a necessity. Hmm. So tell me some of the things that, because you had to basically, you and your brother, first figure out what you were doing and then secondly, build this digital brain or or system that allows you to handle, how, give a scale of the properties and the activities that, that you have to kind of look at through this lens of, of what y'all have created to manage your business. So we're, we're, we're operating about 150 commercial properties with about 8,000 tenants. Um, there's also, you know, as you mentioned, a golf resort. There's a 1.2 million square foot Hispanic experience retail that's doing very well. We are originating loans. Um, we have a, um, a company that issues extended car warranties. We're running Relay Human Cloud, which which we'll talk about more, which is our our global workforce enablement. Um, we have a software company, you know, and 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 other things. We're getting into uh, 3D home printing with cement printers with a company called Black Buffalo. Um, so there's there's a lot of people probably, uh, you know, at, at supporting our real estate company, uh, close to 1,300 full time employees, 300 of which are overseas. That is incredible. So 1,300 employees. So what would you want to know about these 1,300 people doing all these things, managing resources, taking care of things, solving problems, having problems? I, I want to know everything that they're doing. I want to know everything that they've done. And I want to know everything that they should have done that they haven't done yet. I also want them to know how we like to do things. Um, so we we structure budgets and we structure recurring meetings and we structure permits and onboarding of employees and tracking of vehicles and artwork. 
um, you know, one of one of the, the the coolest things is business continuity. So when mm. you think about there's a storm, there's a there's a you know the roads are ice, there's an active shooter, um, there's a hurricane coming, there's COVID, there's a hack. You know, like what are what are the playbooks for these things when you don't have time to have 20 organizational meetings? Um, and that's that's one of the thousands of things we were able to organize once we got organized. So if you think about it, it's almost like having an iPhone and adding an app. As we started off very light, it's here's um, approvals or here's here's a checklist, like an inspection. So that would be like, hey, put your music in your pocket. And then you kind of introduce new things like here's a phone, here's a an app to call a car, here's an app to call food, here's one to call a spouse. You know, you can do anything. You can open the door, you can track your steps. Um, but what we're missing is that unified system for work. And, you know, putting, putting it in made commerce fun to me. Before I did this, I felt like Groundhog Day where I was just repeating the same things. I was going to meetings, we were agreeing to do things. And then a week later, we would kind of forget what we agreed to. And by two years, there was just no way to see it. You know, now when I structure something, um, it is, it's hard coded into the system, but hard coded in a way that can be changed if you have to adapt in the future. So how does someone start like this? I mean, it sounds like you know, change the government kind of thing. It, it seems like such a huge concept to even think about this. Like it, you wrote a piece of software, you and your brother, I guess, worked on this for a long time. How does someone start if they're in the real estate business or if if, if they like we're just by light things, like you said, start keeping track of the things you can easily checklist challenges. Yeah. So, so you start, you start light, you start with a gap filler, you start with something that has to do with compliance, you know, or, or, or safety or, or just um, giving permission to do things. Like, how do I know everything that I've agreed to, to do? So you could do that on the system. And, and what's interesting is that as people with experience, we're corrupt by our experience. So we have to start light and ramp up. But when you hand a two-year-old, an iPhone, they already kind of know how to use it. It's like they don't have to go through that process. So we find that people who join companies that are doing this just run with it. Well, because they don't have any preconceived idea. They just jump in and start making it work, right? Yes, we're all damaged goods, you know, and we have to be aware of that. Um, Is there any way to do it like as a like kindergarten step one, or do you have to go, obviously you have this piece of software. Is this something that y'all guys help other companies with, or is this proprietary to your company? No, lots of other companies use it and every company should be using it. Um, but you can, you can start very light, you know, like for example, it's a very effective in the real estate world. It's very effective to put it over um, a program like Yardi, for example. Um, so Yardi is kind of the rocket engine, and, and this this is the ship in a, in a lot of ways. Um, but and it's really can, one place that, ought, no matter what these other programs you have, you're able to to bring this into a single central 
portal to communicate with. So if you're using Yardy or Appfolio or you've got these other programs, yours allows data to come in and be be seen and be um, managed with those systems. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's exactly right. And just, again, just think of it as an iPhone is you don't have to start with every app on the phone. You can, use you can start with Uber. That's it. That's all you had in the telephone, right? It would still be worth buying a device if all you could do was use Uber. You know, you would still, you would still buy it. So if somebody's interested in this kind of mindset, what what parts, is there a part, can we include a link in the part of our, our in our notes sure. for them to reach out? Because I would love, I know the complexity you deal with across from managing a hotel to knowing where the house cleaners are to did that landscaping get done to work projects and permits? As you took me down the rabbit hole showing me when, when you were here in Opelika, I was, I felt like I was divergent. I, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't think again the same way after seeing what I noticed with your thing. And so I just I, I think the concept is so far ahead of its time, the way you're doing it across so many things. It's it's really phenomenal that you've been able to think about this flexibly enough to have it have all these different inputs and still be able to be something you can use simply in daily. Well, the big the biggest dividend and, and the truth is you don't need this to do it, but when you start thinking in these terms, you can move work through time and space. You know, so that allowed us to do some very innovative things. For example, in the in the office market, we changed our leasing cycle to 24 hours, seven days a week. So wow. we have leasing agents on board, ready to communicate with people 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we would have never been able to do that without a global workforce. Um, well, and it kind of highlighted, I guess, did the software come first and then the understanding of the potential solution that you're, we're going to talk about as we move into this idea of, of how in the world can we get other workforces we've had, never had access to involved with us in our business through like the Relay Human Cloud? Right. Well, the, the two of them are really independent. Is that the vast majority of people who use Relay and who, who utilize Relay is a, is a company that we spun off that hosts full-time workers for Western companies. And so they, they go to a bench, we pick someone, and one minute later, that's their full-time resource. So companies that do that don't need to use the, the, the software system. Um, but if, they, if they're thinking in terms of moving work around, then relay becomes very valuable. At first, you know, companies look at it as a as a cost savings. As they say, hey, I can cut seventy percent off my domestic cost. I can get people in seats, working in an office, at a computer, uh, you know, in, in minutes, not days or months. Um, and then I can start moving the cycle. And this was this was very interesting. Is that when I came to visit you? You had businesses that were open in the evenings. You had businesses that were open in the weekends. Um, all sorts of hospitality things. It doesn't all stop. The world doesn't stop at five o'clock on Friday. So the question is, how do we extend the work cycle for two reasons? Number one, to match up with when our customers are interacting with us. But number two, to just do things faster. Like imagine if you had an accountant who stood up on at five o'clock 
And then someone came and sat down in their chair and they started working for eight hours. And then when they stand up, someone else comes and works for eight hours. And then the original one. Comes so out. really in three in, in, a, in a 24 hour cycle, there's this potential for possibly a three multiple of accomplishment within a smaller within that 24 hour cycle because it's being handed off. It's, it's a third of the price and three times the speed. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of things in our life that, that change the needle uh, that much. And at, at Boxer, it was about an $18 million direct saving, not counting the, the other dividends we got by running, uh, you know, I tell people the sun never sets on our accounting department. What I love is that this is everything that that like when I when I looked at the at the relay and looked at the possibilities there, first thing I noticed was the job descriptions, the the level of clarity that it has because a, a person that has the problems I have made the, the I mean you can tell you were in the companies and the verticals that you needed that type of work as you look at it. It's not fluffed up. They're they're really clear and so. I mean, it's so easy. I get. I guess it's hard to even imagine that I could say, "Hey, I need some accounting help," and I could get someone this afternoon, and they're on my team this afternoon. And what's quite different? You're not buying a Fiverr kind of person. You're getting a full time person to have their eyes on your prize. Yeah. That's so what y'all are offering. They're they're like a cloud server. So, like when you get a cloud server, you don't have to worry about the roof leaks or the power supply or whether the licenses are there. So we, we have an office, we have a computer, we have an internet connection. They only work at their desk in our office, but everything they do is at someone else's direction. And these, these people really wear the colors of their company that they're working for. Is it for them, it's a career, it's not a gig. It's amazing. How many, how many companies, other companies, like are using this now. Like I know that there's, I've seen the the pictures that other real estate large companies are using this. Tell us some of the things that they're using it for and some of the solutions you guys are helping because it, it, it gets bigger than you think what you can allow to have help with in this relay mindset. Yeah, so there, there's probably uh, 75 to 80 independent companies that are using the service now. Some of them use one or two people for just accounting. Hmm. They could have an accounts payable clerk, an accounts receivable clerk. And then they, they, they get more complex from there. They start layering in some assistant managers and some customer service agent, maybe some people in software or coding development. They have graphic designers. They have lawyers. Now, they're not lawyers who are going to go you know, sue someone in state court in Alabama is that these are people who can review leases and contracts. Um, we, we see people using security monitor, you know, but who really know the properties and know who, who's there and who's supposed to be there. Um, Even so financial analysts, as I've seen on your thing, as we were talking with one of our clients, we came to you and said, hey, what, what's available financial analyst-wise and what type of degrees do these guys have and the complexity they're used to dealing with? And a lot of times you'll have them working with your company in between and they'll move off of, they may have been someone who worked in financial analyst roles that you had that came over and started serving one of your clients. 
Yeah, so, th so there's, there, there's a whole myriad, um, you know, they start small and then you just add people to your team. You also have the ability to mix and match countries. So we have several offices in India, but we also have several offices in Honduras, which is in our time zone for the most part in the United States. And also they go to school in English. So these are people who can be customer facing. And then we go, if we're getting, you know, on a more sophisticated level, we'll, we'll very often place people in Mexico City. Mexico City is a gigantic metropolis, very talented people, very, you know, very good experience, but they can also travel anywhere in the U.S. immediately. So these are, these are people who may have to drop in for meetings or meet with clients or, or do on-site architectural things. So, so it's it's kind of you come to this marketplace and there's a bench. Everyone is not you don't wait and see if they're employed. You hire people, you train people, you onboard them. And they're there in a sophisticated office with all the tools waiting to serve someone. But they're not out of work whether I come along or not. Right. They're working for your organization, and then they get mobilized when I can come in. And explain how that works and how it makes this loyalty among the people that are working. Yeah. So what so what we what we realized is we wanted something like like a bench for a coach. Mm -hmm. You know, when 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 a coach wants to put someone into the football game, you don't turn around and go go recruit someone from high school. <laughs> that would be insane if they have someone who is suited up on the bench ready to go in and when they point at them with less than one minute they're in and they're part of the team so what we did is we replicated that the first thing we did is we hired people and we developed a boot camp is we said look there are things like i wish i went through this boot camp before i went to work you know there are things that we should learn i don't care how many degrees you have and how much experience you have is like we want to talk about the international language of commerce. And then we get specific as we have the time to train them in various softwares to allow them to practice things. So it's ongoing training. So while they're training, they're sitting on the bench and about two months in, they become available for people to point at them and say, I'll take that person. And, and it's, it was a revelation that the value that people perceive, you would think that they are just people trying to save money, but what they perceived to be very valuable was, was condensing the entire recruiting process is read their resume, watch a video interview of them, talk to them if you want to, and then bring them on board. They become a, an immediate long-term employee, but you're only committed for one month. So a, co a company can give people back basically um, guilt-free because they never miss a day of, they never miss. They just go back on the, on the bench and can be available for work for others. And one of those others, I'm sure one of your biggest clients is you, right? Yes. So we, we utilize people in our various companies. We utilize them in Boxer. Um, but it's, it's exciting to see how people are using them and how they're building Teams is that when you have seven people and you add an eight, it's almost a non-event. Is that they onboard each other? One of my friends, Chris Powers, who actually introduced us to one another, he said the guys that they have there, they've had for a long time helping Fort Capital, and he said they wear Fort shirts and have Fort hats, and they're a part of the team, and 
they get, I mean, it's, it's different than, than this other world we felt of outsourcing minutes and hours to people fractionally. This is more like an ongoing relationship with someone that has sophistication and, and adds value to the team and becomes this. I love what you taught me. You said I had people in my office that I was able to, to help them grow into managers because we gave them someone to manage that had skills. And so that's a neat concept, I think, that this allows as well. Yeah, so it's very cool to take, like if you walk into our accounting department in Houston, virtually everyone there has a team. And many people would spend their whole career not managing a team of people. And, it, and it's just natural. If you have enough people, not everyone can be the chief. Some people have to be the Indian. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a mixed reference. But in, in, in our world, we take people who would not necessarily have been managing a team and give them the responsibility of individuals who are looking up to them and who are seeking their guidance and their, their direction. And, and we've created some really cool um, managers out of it. It's like they've grown tremendously in a way that would have been very difficult. Uh, well, it, it does something to you to to lead another person. You have to even have more clarity and you have more opportunity, especially it's so easy to think that that the that that the folks that we may be trying to lead inside this wouldn't be. I mean, it may be some of the most intelligent people. One of my friends told me that the people they have on their relay team is the smartest people they have. Yeah, they're they're very well educated, very dedicated, and they have one of the funnest working environments. Like we make it really great, the best office space, the best amenities, things that, that, that are very challenging to do in the U.S., for sure. Well, guys, I, I want to encourage our, our listeners, you know, reviewing leases, possibly, you know, social media, again, doing financial analysis. There's just so many things within accounting. You can dip your toe in the water pretty easy for a few thousand dollars a month. You can give it a try. And as he said, you can begin to step this. And so we'll have links in our in our um, in the show notes to give you a, a way to get to this because it's an incredible resource and the time thing is a real thing like handing off at the end of the day in the U.S. a work product and picking it up overseas and then it comes back the next morning and then there's those sweet spots of the end of the day and the beginning of the day that you and I've talked about that are kind of those transition points where both are working and there can be this collaborative work around the content. Yeah, I love it. The idea is phenomenal. And of course, I love that it came out of the fact that you're living with the same problems we are, that all of us, you're you're trying to accomplish good work with good people. And that that's what this is doing. It's it's actually good work with good people in a different time zone. So tell us a little bit about where do you see development going? Where are we now? And where do we, you've got a since 92, but I'd say that it isn't just the length of time, but the 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 brev, just the gravity of all the work you've done. <laughs> where are we in this in this world of development? And where do you think we're going? What does the future look like? Well, I, I, I think that as people in the real estate industry, we need to continue thinking about making it fast and easy for our customers. Mm-hmm. You know, 
In other words, don't look at every office transaction like we're building a, a new world headquarters for a Fortune 100 company. But sometimes people just want space. So that means in the office market is having space available that's turnkey in different sizes. Think of it like an inventory in a store. Really spending a lot of attention getting that space to be easy for a consumer to see, understand, and acquire. So <clears throat> compress, compress the cycle of moving into real estate. And then the other, the other thing, and I think that this is, is going to become a very big issue, certainly in the housing market, is that we need to focus on lowering the maintenance cost of the real estate that we have. Is there, that, that real estate is, like if I just handed you a house, you'd be like, oh, I got a free house. Well, there's nothing free about it. Like that's when the expenses start and the, the, the plumbers and the electricians and the roof and the power and everything. And we're just, we're not doing a good enough job as an industry making these things low maintenance. And, and I'm very focused on that, especially for um, working people who are raising families. Uh, you know, they, we, we have to rethink sheetrock and drywall and, and plaster. Like, do can you even allow them into a house? Like right. It doesn't take long as a landlord to realize carpet's painful in a residential house if you're going to be changing it all the time. And your mindset is kind of how do we look at the whole building process and say, as owners, like we believe our buildings, we call them irreplaceable, built by people who don't live anymore with materials we can't get anymore, methods we don't do anymore and entitlements we can't get approved anymore. So we think there's some real value to those solid masonry buildings with if we keep a roof on them we're going to have something and so it it's one thing to say maintenance is a 20-year thing but that may be the bank convincing us the amortization schedule is more important than those of us who really want generational stewardship of properties and places one of the most interesting things and i forget who said it but it wasn't it wasn't me but we were talking about real estate and and you said something profound you said you know we think of like class a and class b and class c but it doesn't describe the structures that you and I both love is historic building. And, and they're the best, you know, like, are they, do they have walls of glass? You know, uh, do they, do they have, uh, you know, hidden ventilation? Uh, you know, no, of course not, but it's, it's class X. Like this is what is beginning to see the highest rank and the highest levels of appreciation. So I, I, I agree with you. I think buildings learn. And if you want, want to be good for the environment, it's not necessarily building a new lead building. It's recycling what we have, you know, making making the structures relevant. And we've learned this a lot of ways. I mean, we say the greenest buildings of all already exist. Yeah. And, and you've kind of proven this with, we spoke a moment to this incredible um, Latino or, or the expression of let's talk a minute about this amazing mall because I still want to visit it. I'm hoping to get to do it soon, but this is a classic example of, of finding a way that a property that was really uncared for and unloved, unprogrammed, you found a niche in the market that really has become a just an anchor for that whole community. One, one of the most important things I found was a partner, uh, this 
fellow Jose Legazpi, who was the smartest, most academic, brilliant, insightful real estate broker based in the Los Angeles area. And, and when, when we explored what was going on there and, and the, the massive success within the Hispanic community, we said, wow, this, this could be a way to repurpose dead malls in the United States. So we bought a mall that was a disaster in every way. It's 1.2 million feet on 80 acres in Fort Worth. And starting, it's hard to believe, almost 20 years ago, it's evolved into one of the most successful retail plays in the, in the city. It, it's, it's doing so well. We're building new buildings just to accommodate the tenants. We're literally having to build new buildings in a mall. Um, hard to uh, hard hard to believe but if if you're if you're ever in Fort Worth uh you know go take a look at La Grande Plaza it is it's a riot it's filled with dinosaurs and mariachis and, and <laughs> costumes and clowns and everything you can imagine uh, to make it relevant and interesting it's beautiful and alive and that's what life you know, it's so easy to just think about buildings and forget the lives that are in them, the businesses and the things. I mean, the flourishing it created for a lots of families is so great. And it's a little Disney World, dinosaurs and special things. It makes you smile. I mean, it's an example of doing good and doing well and, and not but, having to choose either. But always the number one attraction at the mall is the people. And yeah. I, I think that, that, you know, malls, there's some people doing some very innovative things. You're creating whole worlds, you know, at Marsh, um, is that we have to go back and remember what we liked about them. What did mm. we like about downtowns? What did we like about malls? Um, because those things are still there. I think we just need to see them in a different way. You're... I love being around you. Some of my best thinking's done when I'm around you because you say stuff that, that that is just so true. What did we love about downtowns and malls that made it made it work in the first place? And so what a what a beautiful way. And I think we're gonna see more malls and opportunities in the future, don't you? I, I, I hope so. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's it's a they have great opportunity, they have great parking, they just need a new and without vision, people and places perish. And and if there's anything that I've seen is your work at Boxer and what we are passionate about is um is having a vision for something. If you've got clarity of vision, you can accelerate toward the goal. I tell people, I said, if the prize is fuzzy, no price is really cheap enough. But when the price prize gets clear, the price gets easy. And so um I love what you're doing there. We always want to land with three questions. And for you, I feel like we could do five episodes with you of all the experience you had and um, and honoring the fact that, again, I just think if, if people look at Relay and if they look at the, the work you've done in your software or Boxer Properties, they see a, a theme of intentionality and care across them. And so as, as another one real estate developer to another, that's so rare. You are an example of, of the, I mean, what if the future could be really shaped for good by developers? What if we could be an answer to some of the world's problems or we could add value and not extract it? We will. We will. That's right. It's really good. So 
Who's doing some work in the world you know about that we need to know about? So two, two groups that you should pay attention to. One is the Caruso organization based in Los Angeles. They did a, um, a project called The Grove, which may be the most fabulous urban renewal mall, whatever you want to call it. It's kind of a little bit of everything um, that's there. I, I, I took my team to go see it, and we were standing at the valet service watching what was like a ballet um and a guy the head valet comes he puts his arm around me he goes so you own a mall i said how did you know he goes nobody else would be staring at the ballet operation as long as you do <laughs> and, and so caruso's, caruso's execution is just amazing and, and the other one is our, our mutual friend chris powers you know at fort capital fort capital made a a decision to become a connector, to become a leader, to become um, someone who was socializing thoughts and innovation. And, and, and you say to yourself, how does this drive more warehouse purchases? You know, but when you spend enough time with his team, you, you realize, you know, how great they've become by, by leading. Um, it's really, really, really interesting. Those, those two are, are, are two, two of my inspirations and favorites. And of course, if you have not gone to Opelika, that was, that took me about four minutes to accept that invitation. I was like on a plane right out there, um, could not believe it. And anyone in the real estate business should need to go visit. You need to go visit these kind of places. Well, I tell you, Chris Power said the number one influence on his real estate, he told me, he said, I'm letting you behind the scenes and seeing where so much of my wisdom came from. And that's when I got to meet you, Andrew. So you're you're um, cross-pollinating wisdom into so many young guys' lives. And so that's an example of your willingness to mentor and add value. And you had mentioned a bit early on, like how us getting together, what that means when we're together and and kind of how that how that shapes us. Yeah, the, the physical world is really important. And I find when you sit down with someone, and whether it's it's having a drink at the end of the day, or or sharing a dinner together, you know, the first five or ten minutes is he's not very exciting. But then all of a sudden you get into some real substantive things. And the the other thing, and 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 you know, this is this is something I felt when I was in your town, is that you're mentoring people who you don't even know. Is that when mm. they're physically in your space, seeing your your product, there's, there's an aspect of they're our customer, we're entertaining them, but we're also elevating them as you're showing them what could be. And hopefully they go back to their little towns and read and now know what's possible. It was, it was the way that, that Roger Bannister taught people to run fast is that he broke it was the four minute mile and once he did everyone knew it was possible he was their coach he was the coach to a world of runners who had never met him and never would man and there's some room for some new four minute four minute miles in development too we need this i mean there's so much as you said we're we're working in antiquated systems in so many ways we're you can't look at property 24 hours and it takes me a month to get into a place and just all these assumptions that we need to say, whoa, hang on. 
let's pretend these people are customers that want to buy something we have to offer. We want to make it easy for them. Yeah. It's so true. I love the way you say that. Um, so what if you've had some great experiences in a little bit of time I've known you and we, we so enjoyed having you in Opelika. I love the minute I asked you, you said yes and showed up, which blew me away. We had such a great time having you here for a little bit. But tell us about something or a few things you've done that we should do. So, um, you know, a, a couple of, a couple of things. One one thing that, that kind of blew my mind very recently was Manila, the Philippines. You know, I've traveled around the world. I've been to India 13 times. Like I, I go places and do things. And, and, and I was, I was horrified at how great a city this was that I really knew very little about. I was standing in some shopping centers. There was one, I think it's the most beautiful shopping center I've ever been in. Anyway, and I'm talking about, you know, Miami and, and New York and Paris. And I mean, like, they really taught me um, some humility um, about thinking that all the answers were were here. Um, and part of it is just exploring and exploring without um, a necessary agenda. I went to Mongolia twice last summer, mm. a long story, and I learned so much about politics, you yeah. know, from, from, from that country. So longer, longer, um, explanation but but get out there and go see things you know the explorers win uh, in the in the end and of course you know come come see our mall in in fort worth uh you know it's really um it's really fun and, and it's like going to your town and saying okay nobody can tell me anymore that a town cannot be turned around you can't say that that's the case because i'm standing in life and this is an example of, of saying, I don't want to hear the term dead mall. I want to hear the term dead operator, but not dead mall. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, one thing we know is we believe that a place, when the town's going to be revived, and there is hope for towns, we need a patron. And that's a person who has a vision for the place and is willing to be an operator. I mean, we show up every day and chop wood for the good of our city. We do work because we love it. And because we love the people we get to work with alongside and, and for. So um, last one, what have you read that we should read? So I, I reread a book that came out when I was, I think, nine years old. It was Free to Choose by Milton and Rose Friedman. Uh, Milton Friedman was an economist who won uh, the Nobel Prize in economics. And he was the... Uh, the person who was credited with explaining to us how inflation worked. And, and it was it was really the first version of Freakonomics. And there's so much in that book that was relevant in the 70s that's even more relevant now. So dust, dust it up and see why he won the Nobel Prize for that. Well, that's awesome. There's so many things, of course, to, to ask you about, but I would just, I, I'd just say thank you for your time. I can't wait to see the people that find out about the possibilities of Relay Human Cloud and what they can do to grow their business and also get to see some of the other work you've done. We'll definitely have to have you again. And, uh, and I so look forward to seeing your, um, your projects in Fort Worth soon as we get to come there. Thank you for taking a few minutes today. I have a hundred questions for you. 
<laughs> Hope you have a great day, my friend. Okay, bye.